Good morning. Wonderful to see all of you here. Have a good number. If you are our visitor here this morning, we welcome you as our honored guest and invite you back at any time. Luke chapter 18. Let's start here. Luke chapter 18 and verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you I'm not like the other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. We know this passage It's very easy to preach. It seems like I've preached it a lot lately. Dale, have you preached this already? Some of you might be thinking. Yeah, I have, but I'll give it a rest for a while. I actually wanted to preach something this morning, and this passage lent itself well to it. It's one we need because we don't need to be like the Pharisee. We don't want to bask in our religious pride and look down on others when they need Jesus. We don't need to praise our own accomplishments as the Pharisee in order to show our piety. By all means, we must not be like the Pharisee who sought the approval of men. Then we see the tax collector who says, God, be merciful to me, the sinner, beating upon his chest. What a great lesson in humility. It helps us to see that we are sinners in need of a Savior. That's something we must hear. However, some of us don't stop with, I am a sinner. I'm not talented enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not fun enough. I'm not good enough. I'm worthless. I'm such a bad person. Our humility turns into self-criticism, which leads us to a place Jesus never really intended for us to go. And we tell, us all, tell ourselves all of these things on a regular basis, especially our young people, who compare themselves to every person on the planet besides the one they should be comparing themselves to, that being Christ, and even us adults can do much the same. We know that we are forgiven. We know that God loves us, but we are our own worst enemies when it comes to self-criticism. What you say to yourself about yourself is called your inner dialogue. We'll also call it self-talk sometimes. And it does a lot for you to build up or tear yourself down. Mostly, though, people use it to tear themselves down. Do you compare yourself to others? Do you beat yourself up because you believe in those things in the previous slide? You believe you're not good enough. Do you focus on your shortcomings even though you are blessed beyond measure? What does your self-criticism do? For most people, it causes emotional distress, which can result in worry and anxiety It constantly reminds you that you're not good enough, that you're a failure. Or it even goes so far as to say that you should just give up and quit trying. 
Well, Jesus didn't die on the cross so we could be made miserable by our own minds, by our own self-talk and inner dialogue. Ephesians 1.4 says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. And the first part of that passage, I think, really speaks to this lesson this morning. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, which means we're important, which means we're loved, which means we're valuable, which means we're worth something, and we must not waste time on criticizing ourselves. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, There's plenty of people in this world that are going to criticize you. And God gave his son. He became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We sing, Jesus loves me, don't we? And that should be the very beginning of our own self-love, which is the opposite of self-criticism. I'm sure some of you lose sleep over your inner critic. I'm sure it creates heartache for you, stress and anxiety because we are a very medicated people in our country today. And I think a lot of it comes from this inner self-talk of what we tell ourselves. And this negative self-talk can create a ripple effect in your life of pain and suffering. You don't have to be that way. So let's see if we can change that. What is your inner critic? At one time, at least, and maybe even now, from time to time, it's something that has helped you to be successful. Like many people who want to do their best, all of us in here this morning, we owe a lot to our inner critic, actually. Being critical of ourselves helps us to have discipline. It is the critic that will help us strive for a goal and work to win. But this critic can, over time, take its toll, and instead of being a cheerleader... It then slowly becomes a taskmaster. The inner critic is the voice in your head that tells you things that push you to do better. And this is good, but this healthy self-criticism can turn into toxic self-loathing. Your inner critic keeps you from thinking others accept you, and you can hardly accept yourself, which then puts up another barrier between you and the love of Christ. Stress builds, and when you finally do something well, when you finally accomplish a goal, do the right thing, get the praise of men sometimes, when that's, of course, appropriate, when you finally do something well, you don't pat yourself on the back, you're not joyous, you're not happy, but rather you simply breathe a sigh of relief because you've escaped criticism narrowly, possibly, from others and from yourself. But this relief doesn't last long. This pattern is the perfect storm for anxiety, depression, other mental stressors we may put upon ourselves. We know we should be happy Christians because we are so blessed. Look at the world around us and those that that live in, in poverty, even outside this, especially outside this country, but even within this country. Many of us live so well. Yet we criticize ourselves constantly, possibly because we're putting too much, uh, too much weight on things that do not matter. And we should be thinking more positively about our own selves and in about, and about eternity as well. 
Our inner critic actually keeps us safe because we don't want to take a risk to grow. We don't want to take a risk to develop spiritually or in other ways. Our critic will say, well, you're you're just going to fail, so why should you even try? You're not going to be successful. The critic keeps you safe from failure and therefore makes you stuck. It puts you in a position and therefore you can't grow. You can't move forward because you know that you're just going to be criticized once again by that tiny voice in your head. So therefore there's no growth. Even now you may be thinking, I don't need to listen to this. I'm fine just how I am. I don't need to change. Something that we all must change is how we talk to ourselves. If you talk to yourself in a negative way on a regular basis. Because God wants you to feel good about yourself to a degree. We know that the tax collector was beating his chest, confessing that he was a sinner. But I bet that after that, within the parable, Jesus would have went on to say that he found joy living in Christ. That he didn't have to wallow in that sin. He didn't have to perpetually feel bad. He didn't have to perpetually say, I'm no good. I'm worthless. He didn't have to do any of those things. But our inner critic, our inner critic will start with, I am a sinner, or will start with, I'm no good, and it will blow that up immensely. And then, how does our light shine? How are we salt? How are we city, a city set on a hill? How are we those things when we are perpetually in a shameful mode, perpetually in a mode that says, I don't need to try anymore because I'm just going to fail? Our critic keeps us safe, but if we are to grow, we know we've got to take a step forward. So this critic can do many things. It can keep you in a shameful mode. It can keep you anxious because you're afraid you're going to fail. It can keep you stressed, which is the result of that. It can result in depression because you constantly tell yourself negative things. You constantly tell yourself all of these negative messages. So how do you handle this critic? What are you supposed to do? You hear this critic when challenges come your way, most likely. Challenges at school, challenges at work, challenges at home to be a better spouse. And when those challenges come, I can't be a better wife. I can't be a better husband, a better student, a better friend. Therefore, I've got to retract. I've got to go and and I've got to stay within myself. In Matthew 4, however... We see where Satan challenges a lot about Jesus. Satan challenges Jesus' identity. If you are the Son of God, he tells Jesus. He challenges his fleshly desires. Jesus, you've been fasting for a long time now. Make these stones to become bread, Jesus, so that you can eat. And then even he challenges his weakness as he tells Jesus, if you will bow down before me, I'll give you all of these kingdoms, Satan tells Jesus. Jesus, if he had an inner critic, and he may have struggled with that as he struggled with things as as we do, this inner critic would have said, Satan doesn't think you're the son of God. Show him. Show him, Jesus. You are the Son of God. You have power. You can eat right now, Jesus. Show Satan who you are. Satan doesn't think you have power. 
He wants to give you these kingdoms because he's scoffing at the power that you do have, Jesus. And what does Jesus do in each moment? He answers Satan. He says, man shall not live by bread alone. He tells him, don't put the Lord your God to the test. He says, don't worship any other gods before me. Each time, Jesus answers that inner critic. I am good enough. I am loved. I do have power. And you must answer those same critics as well. You are smart. Maybe not like this person. But you are pretty. You are you. You are so many things that God has created you to be. And you've got to stop criticizing yourself and putting yourself down further and further and further because God made you. He wants you to realize your beauty and to stop criticizing yourself. So answer the critic or it will never stop. Because he will be there ready to criticize and project many more negative messages that you are tired of hearing. Your critic reminds you of your failings. And, you know, we constantly tell ourselves negative things when we're criticizing ourselves. It's very easy, right, to hear this inner critic. Why not think about the successes that you've done? Why not list those as among your accomplishments and the things that you know that people have told you, that mom and dad have told you, that friends believe things about you, because unless you answer that critic, he's still going to be checking off all of the negative things that you are trying to forget about yourself. Our critics keep us safe, turning away any sort of criticism that may come our way, as I mentioned earlier. So we turn inward and defend ourselves, right? Well, let's look at Mark chapter 12, see what that has to say. A lot of people feel bad. It's the anxiety that they experience in life because they're constantly inward. Our phones do that as we constantly look there for entertainment, for fulfillment. We're constantly turning ourselves inward, which creates more and more self-loathing. Mark chapter 12 In verse 28, a very popular passage, we usually refer to this when talking about loving our neighbor. Mark chapter 12 and verse 28. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's one part of this passage that's always preached. Then in verse 31, you shall love your neighbor. We tell people we're to love those who are around us. We're to love those who are difficult. But then what's it say? Love your neighbor as yourself. You're supposed to love yourself. You're supposed to feel good about yourself. Not constantly criticize because when there's an open space in your heart that's full of criticism, Satan's just going to keep on dumping it in. Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 was in a weak position. Whenever you haven't eaten for 40 days, your brain doesn't function all that well. Sounds like I haven't eaten in a while. Trust me, I have. 
Your brain doesn't function all that well, so this was a very weak time for Jesus. And Satan, he pounced on that. You become weak, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, whenever you constantly tell yourself negative things, when there is an immense pile of positive things that you need to latch on to and to realize, I've got to love God, I've got to love my neighbor, I've got to love myself as well. And I wanted to preach this this morning because too many people have a self-loathing, have a toxic amount where all they do is look at themselves and think, I can't, I can't stand myself. We've got to move past that. The tax collector knew he was a sinner, but self-loathing, self-hatred is certainly not taught in that passage. What else do we need to do? We need to realize that we can't be good all the time. It's just not, just not uh, possible. If you think you're supposed to be perfect, then there's no room for failure. And yet there's another reason to criticize yourself because you will fail. It's going to happen. When we work to make mistakes, and we will, we oftentimes will try to correct other people's view of us by saying things like, well, well, that's not me. I'm not really like that. Well, apparently you are. Me, myself... I have a bit of a temper. I try to hide it from you. I don't want you people knowing I'm human. But here I am. I have a temper. I am impatient, which that stands out more than others. But I work to curb these behaviors because I live in a domesticated society. And I've got to act like I know what I'm doing. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says that we are sinners. And we are. And we must admit that. Sometimes we read that, Romans three twenty three. yeah, that's fine. But then we put a bar that is so high that we reach up for it as high as we can. And we're still too far from it. Because Jesus says, you can't do it without me. And we need him because we're sinners. And once he do, then he helps us reach that bar. But that bar is not perfection. That bar is completeness. That level is something that we can love and that we can live with because we don't have to be perfect. So stop beating yourself up and think of yourself as good-ish. Okay, I'm a saint, but I'm also a sinner. It's difficult. Whenever you think of yourself in this way, you leave room for inner growth. You've not arrived. You're not perfect but you're always striving forward, forgetting what lies behind, as Paul said. If you have arrived at your goodness because you think this, I don't do this sin or then that sin, why do you need Jesus? Then you become more like the Pharisee who says, I'm glad I'm not like this person. Stop thinking that you have to be good all the time. You've got to try, you've got to work towards that, but you're not going to be perfect. Mark 10 and verse 18 said, Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. If Jesus says, I'm not perfect, I'm not good, only God is, then how can we ever expect, expect to be perfect? Lastly, the way you handle your inner critic is you realize that God is still working on you. Through your life experiences, through things that you do daily, God is still trying to create in you a thing that he wants to see. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it 
until the day of Christ Jesus. That work is still going on in you, Paul told the Philippians. I started a headboard early last year. It's still in my garage. I still haven't finished it. Baby, I'll get it out of there soon, I promise. But that headboard is still in there. It just needs a little more paint, needs a little more wood put on it. But I'm still, I'm still working on it. God's still working on you. God's still working on me. And that work is a good work. He is striving to create in you what he wants to see someday. And you've got to be patient. You've got to realize that, well, I've arrived. I'm right where I need to be. Then you're in a bad spot. Because when you do falter, when you do stumble, that inner critic is going to say, see, I told you so. Why are you even trying? Okay, and you close your Bible and you put it on the shelf and you don't think about God anymore. Because you failed. When you fail, that's when you need Christ Jesus the most. So accept that. Accept that that's going to happen. Listen to that inner critic just a little bit. Because he might point something out you need to hear. But don't let him drive the bus all over you, okay? 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. I think that self-criticism, that self-loathing is a struggle that many people in this world face. Suicide is on the rise. I believe that's one issue. It's because the person can't find anything good that's in themselves. If they could find it, they would have hope. Here, Peter talks about the hope that is in you. Someone who takes their own life has lost hope, and they see no other way out. I'm telling you this morning that you have hope that is in you, and you've got to grab onto that. You've got to start feeling better about yourself. You know, we're to be living sacrifices, but there's joy found in that. We're to be servants for Christ, but there is happiness to be found there. So what is the feeling that is overly pervasive in your life? What is that feeling? Is it happiness? It is joy? I hope in our society today we have more of that than in any other time in history. I hope that there's happiness and joy in your life, and not criticism, not self-hatred, not self-loathing, because God, Jesus, they want, they want that to be out of your life. Because you are a sinner, but you don't have to continue to wallow in that anymore. Because hope is found in Christ. Hope can be found in you. And if you want to take advantage of that this morning, you can come forward and become a Christian. Be baptized into Christ Be baptized into Christ and take hold of this hope. Become more hopeful about tomorrow because what what does self-criticism do? Self-criticism lowers people's emotions, makes them depressed. They don't want to get out of bed. They don't want to go about another day because I'm just not good enough. Well, God says you are. And God says that you're so important, I'm going to send my son to die. And through that sacrifice, you can have a home in heaven. If you have a need this morning that we can assist you with, come forward now.